Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. Hey, hello, Faith Center. Oh, man, listen, we had so much fun at the 930, and I'm ready to have fun with you today. I hope you guys like getting into Bible. You guys like getting into Bible? Okay, hold on, check this out. Uh, I'm all about the talkback church, okay? I want you to know that right now. I'm all about the talkback church. I need to know that we're in this together and we're all engaged and we're doing this stuff together. So if you hear something that's good, like, oh, that was good, say it. Say, oh, that was good. Or, or just like an amen or something. Or maybe it's a clap. Like you hear something, you're like, yeah, let me hear you. Okay. Yeah, see, that's awesome. However, I don't want to cue you. <laughs> that's pandering. But I want us to engage, all right? We're going to engage in God's Word together. We're going to grow in God's Word together. So I'm all about Talkback Church, okay? You cool with that? Yeah. Uh, all right, there's still a cue. So we'll, we'll see how we're doing here. <laughs> Kathleen and I are grateful, and I know that all of us are together. I know that we're all grateful together. December has uh, got all kinds of things going on. We're making some shifts, some different things that are happening. And so... Uh, uh, we had Truckers Parade last night, and so here we are with our two today. Next, next Sunday, uh, next weekend, we'll have, we'll have all of it. We'll do Saturday night. We'll have both of our Sundays, and my wonderful, amazing wife, Pastor Kathleen, will be up here uh, teaching the Word. So I'm excited about that. It's going to take a minute, y'all. All right, and then the following, the following weekend is the following weekend is Christmas weekend. And so we've got a fun Christmas Eve that Saturday. We have an incredible Saturday. That's, we've got a 2 o'clock, a 4.30, and a 6 p.m. all happening here, different gathering times. And can I just tell you, on Christmas Eve, that's a gathering you want to invite people to. That's something that you want to bring your family, your friends, for your workmates, different people that you know this could be an opportunity for you and I to share the love of Jesus Christ with them, the newborn king that came in here to offer hope and forgiveness and love to those. And so use Christmas Eve as this opportunity. We have three different services to be able to do that. And so please do that. And then on Christmas Day, we're not going to be gathering on Christmas Day. We want you to have that time with your families. And then we will uh, not be together on the Saturday of New Year's Eve, but we will be together on New Year's Day for our two Sundays. Okay, you guys good? We're all caught up. You can go to our church uh, website. You can go to the church app and all that stuff is on there for you as well. Okay. Uh, we are in the Advent series, and today is specifically about joy. And with joy, I wanted to just kind of begin with, in Luke chapter 2, right? The Christmas story is told in Luke chapter 2. Uh, the angel comes out to the shepherds that are out in the field, and he comes out there, and he tells the shepherds this. Do you guys remember what he said? For those of you that have read the Christmas story, he said this. He said, uh, I bring you good news. Do you know what? Good news of what? of great joy, of great joy, right? He says, I bring you good news. What's the good news? Jesus, right? The Savior has been born, right? And it's great joy. In other words, Jesus, please follow with me here, Jesus is the joy that has been set before us. He is the joy that has been set before us. And we continue just going through the life of Christ and we get into John chapter 17. And now it's 33 years later, and Jesus begins to pray 
for his disciples in John chapter 17. You need to read John 17 because it's an amazing prayer that he's praying not only for his disciples, but he's also praying it over you and I, right? Because over all Christ followers, and he's praying that over all that will hear his word. And he says that in that prayer, he's praying over you and me. And in that, he says these words. He says, I have, I have spoke the things that I have talked to. I've spoke these things to the world. Do you know why? So that my joy may be in them. You see, Jesus Christ came. He was the joy that was set before us, and his whole goal in life was that you and I could live these joy-filled lives full of Jesus Christ. Are you tracking with me here? Come on, talk back, church. (laughs) And so that is his goal. He says in John 10.10, I came so that they could have life and life to the full. He wants you and I to live this joy-filled life. Now, could you imagine... Could you imagine what the world would look like if you and I just walked around living a joy-filled life? Could you imagine? Would it look any different than the people around us in this world? It would, right? It would look so different than the people all around us in this world. And you know what would happen is they would begin to take notice. They would begin to take notice, and they would begin to start asking these questions like, what, what is this? What, what's so different about this guy? What's so different about this girl from everybody else? And they'll begin to take notice of the joy-filled life that you are living. And then they'll start to question, how, how come you're not all engaged in like all the mess and the junk and the trash that people are into, into our society? What is it that is a separator from you? And others, listen, when you live this joy-filled life, Others will see the difference in you and they'll want it. And they'll want to have that and they'll long for it in their lives looking for that. What would happen if you and I lived a life with the joy of Jesus? What would happen if you and I lived a life that was fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit? That we could go into a place that people would be longing for what it is that you have. I believe that that's what Jesus Christ came for, was for you and I to live this joy-filled life in Christ, in him, and through him to impact this kingdom here on earth, to reach out to those that do not know him and love him. So I wanted to open up in in the word today, how can you and I become these joy-filled people? How can we do it? So how many of you got your Bibles? You guys bring your Bibles? Because I'm all about it, man. You bring your Bibles. And so look, I'm like old school. uh, So I had the paper Bible. But if you are digitally advanced and you've got yours on your phone or your mobile device or whatever, get it open because we are going to go to 1 Thessalonians, all right, chapter 1. That's where we're hanging out today. So get there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. That was, by the way, you guys, that was just my open. That was amazing. (laughs) So... Let's pray. Let's pray over what we receive today from God's word. Father, we love you. And so, Lord, right now, as we begin to just dive in and devour your word, Father, I ask that you will now begin to help us to let that soak in to our soul and to our spirit to make a difference in our lives so that we can make a difference in others' lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody says? Amen. 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 All right, let's read this together, uh, beginning in verse 4, beginning in verse 4, okay? It says this, it says, 
that uh, uh, you know that we lived among you for your sake, right? That's what it says. We lived among you. You became imitators of us and the Lord in spite of, check this out, in spite of severe suffering, right? Has anybody ever recognized that? Like we've got all that stuff going on, right? We've got all this uh, suffering. Did everybody notice that? Like that's happening today in our world and we see that all around us and it's here even in that. Uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know, you know that we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and the Lord, and you welcomed the, uh, the message in the midst of severe suffering. And check this out. You did it with what? With the joy. Will you say those words? With the joy. With the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so, watch this, what happens in verse 7. And so, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Do you see this? They're like, hey, you, we don't even have to talk about it because the minute that we got here, everybody else is talking about you. Like your message and who you are and the church that you're a part of has reached out not only to our cities, but the entire region of this area. It's incredible. We keep reading. So therefore, we don't need to say anything about it, for they themselves report of what kind of reception you gave us. What does it say? They tell how you turned from God to idols to serve the living uh, and true God and to wait for the Son from heaven whom we raise from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Amen and amen. And so I'm reading through this, and I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, oh, how incredibly cool would it be if you and I, face center, if you and I could be described in that way? How cool would it be if you and I could be described as a model church for the entire region? How cool would that be? How cool would it be if you and I were described as people who have led multitudes to know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Would, it, would anybody be down with that at all? And so I'm sitting here and I'm reading this and from this like leadership perspective that I have, I'm like, oh man, so how do I do it? Like, you know, and I'm trying to think of like, wouldn't it be great if Second Thessalonians was like a manual on how to reproduce this particular model? But Paul doesn't tell us any of that. Paul doesn't tell us anything about their structure or their systems or their methods or programs or anything because those things are constantly changing. But one thing that Paul does do is he absolutely tells us of the essence of this church and how they were able to become this model church for the entire region. I want us to keep reading, but I want us to go back up to the top. That's some talkback church right there. <laughs> go back to verse 2. Back to verse 2. Here's what he says. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope of Jesus Christ. Here Paul gives us this incredible look into the hearts of the Thessalonian believers right here, and they were a church that was ignited and fueled by faith, love, and hope. That's who they were. And that's how they were able to make 
a difference. And I absolutely believe this. I absolutely believe that, and I'm convinced, for a key to the awakening, an awakening that you and I long for and want to see to live these joy-filled lives, to impact everybody else around us, <clears throat> is that you and I can tap into the power of these three essences. How do we do it? It must be intentional. And so for you and I to do it, then we have to take it on personally. It has to become a personal thing for us that you and I then become people who live by faith, who are known by love, and become a voice of hope. We live by faith, we are known by love, and we become a voice of hope. And when that happens, when that happens, and you and I begin to move together collectively, guess what? We're going to make a difference, folks. Anybody down with making a difference? Yes. We're going to make a difference. Once we get this passion inside of us of following this. So how do I do it? How do I do it? If you are taking notes, I want you, I got some stuff for you that I want you to write down. How do I tap into the power of a joy-filled life? Here's what it is. Here it is. Write this down. The first one is I have to live by faith. The first thing is live by faith. Faith begins with God speaking and it materializes when we respond. That's what it looks like. We, we primarily re relate to the faith as a noun, but it's absolutely a verb. It's a verb. The church tends to live by the faith rather than living by faith. Are you tracking with me? That's what happens so often. And the goal for you and I is to become doctrinally sound, growing in the word of God. That's our goal, continually moving forward, moving forward with, rather than, check it out, living in this space of limbo, like waiting upon God. Ooh, what's God going to do? right? And we get in this space of waiting. And absolutely, there is this time and place for you and I to sit and be still before the Lord, because we need to do that, right? There are these moments when we need to seek Him and His guidance, but far too often, we don't do that, and we use it as this opportunity of kind of resisting what God's will already is. And the starting point of living by faith is recognizing that God has already revealed so much for you and I in His Word, that even if we never heard another thing, we would know all the things to do right? Like, we don't need to pray about them. We already know that this is what they are. This is what God wants. And so for you and I to move into it, we have to move into what he's called. So I said this in one word. It's like, so what does it mean to live by faith? Really, if you boil it down to one word, and I put this in your notes, it comes down to obedience. It's obedience. I am just going to walk in obedience to what God's word already says. That's living by faith. That's living by faith. Because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but this thing right here is counterculture. Do you guys know that? The world and the culture that we live in, they're not so hip to these ideals and these values. And so for you and I to move in what God's word already says and to operate in this, it's going to, be, it's going to take faith because we're going to come up against the world and their ideals and their values, which they're constantly changing. Are you tracking with me? Yep. So we're going to live by faith. So how do we do that? We have to then be able to grab things and take what we know that God's already said and move in those things. What are some of the things that God has already spoke? We don't have to pray about it. What are some of the things that he's already spoke that we move those into a non-optional category? I already know. This is what I need to do. This is God's will for my life. It's written in his word. This is what I do. What are some of those things? So here's what I want you to do. All right, you guys ready to play a little interactive game here? I want you to get in little groups of like three or four people. Three or four people, I want you to get in little groups, and I want you to tell me, you know, tell your groups, and then I'll come back to you. There's a test. And I'm going to come back to you, and I'm going to ask, what are some of the non-optional things that God has already called us to do? You know it. You've read his word. You already know what it is. What are some of the non-optional things? You don't have to pray about it. What are they? I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Get in your group, and let's figure it out. What are some of the non-optional things that God has called us to do? You already know that's just what he's called us to do. All right, let's talk about it. 
You guys are having too much fun. Pay attention to me. All right, let's reel it in. What are some of the things? What are some of the stuff that you guys came up with? Just, just come on, talk back, church. Talk to me. Discipleship. We don't have to pray about that, right? We know that it's in here. God has called us to make disciples. We don't have to pray about it. Oh, I wonder if God wants me to make a disciple. We already know that. What else? Witness. Yes. And not just witness. Witness. That's strong. That's strong. What else? Love. <laughs> we know that. Yes. Anything else? Love your enemies. Did, did you say like them? I think he says love them. Yeah. Love your enemies. What else? Honor. You have to pray, right? We don't have to pray if we should pray. Like we already know that, right? I heard worship down here. We, are, we, already, we already know that. And when you and I begin to move things into a non-optional category, we are walking in obedience to what God's word already says. Now we're living by faith. You see that? All right, here's the next one. Here's the next one. Write this down. The next thing he calls us to do is to be known by love. Jesus said this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. He said, love others as much as you love yourself. Love others as much as you love yourself. All right, I'm gonna, I need to be honest with you guys. This is our first day together, and I need to tell you I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm just absolutely incredible. And, uh, and, and listen, listen, I, seriously, I really feel this way because, listen, you do too. Not about me. I mean, you will, but not about me. <laughs> you feel that way about yourself. You think that you're amazing. You think that you're awesome. You think you're all that. And you know why? We all do. That's how much we love ourselves. Are you guys tracking with me? Yes. You love yourself a lot. I know you don't ever think about it. You're like, oh, no, I'm too holy for that. Mm. I know you don't think about it. I know you don't, you don't ever think about, I really love myself a lot. But when we read this scripture, it's so easy to blow by it to not realize you love yourself a lot. A lot. And Jesus said, that's how much you're to love the other people around you. As much as you love you, that's how much you have to love the other people around you. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of love, Lord. <laughs> we have been so inundated, check this out, with love imitations, constant love imitations, that we've become blind to what love is really all about. And so I put this in your notes, write this down. In the end, how does love really manifest itself? In sacrifice. That's what happens. Jesus told us the way that we would, the world would know that we are his followers is if we love one another. Uh, John 13, beginning in verse 34, he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. To be known by love, we see love in sacrifice, right? How do the relationships that we're in, how do they grow? They grow in sacrifice, right? We're able to put away our selfish wants and our desires, and we sacrifice for what? To grow in that relationship together. It's sacrifice. It's being known by love. And in John 15, 13, Jesus gives us this practical expression. He says, greater love than no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
He lays down his life. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking of his own death. He's explaining that it would be the ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind, the ultimate expression of love. But please, folks, understand this. The church erupted out of an act of love. That's what happened. It shouldn't surprise us all that the church only moves towards God in love. That's how it works. When we are fueled by love, in a world that is full of imitation, real love draws a crowd. It is it stands out. It is undeniable. It is defining. And that's who we are. That being the case, what then is the practical expression? What's the practical expression of love? And it is servanthood. Write that down. It is servanthood. It is impossible to come close to God and not have his love overwhelm you. It is impossible. And when we realize the practical expression is uh, servanthood, love begins to change every single thing about the relationships that we're in. In fact, one of the incredible, amazing things about Jesus Christ is that he loves to serve. God loves to serve. And when Jesus wrapped that towel around his waist in John 13, and he went to wash his disciples' feet, this was not some extraordinary act for him, but right in line with who God is. He loves to serve. And so what is it that Jesus said? He said, I did not come, what, to be served, but I came to serve. People matter to God. Therefore, they matter to us. And you know what I've done? I don't know if you've done this, but I've made the mistake of passing judgment on other people. <laughs> done it. I've done it. Right? And somehow we like make these armchair assessments that we think like we know what God should do with these people. Like, ah, I know where they just send him down low, Lord. <laughs> hey, you know, I don't need him. And we sit there and we make these armchair assessments of who God has need for. And over and over again, throughout Scripture, God tells us the value of every single person in this world. And it doesn't matter if they have different values or beliefs than you. It doesn't matter that they come from the complete opposite side of the political spectrum or whatever that is. I'm supposed to love them. Period. Period. That's how I can be known by love. And so, I think one of the best examples, one of my favorite examples, is when Jesus heads to Golgotha, the place of the skull, to be crucified, and he's there on the cross, and he has these two criminals next to him, and in Luke 23, it tells the story about these criminals that are there, and, and one of them just kind of begins to launch into this verbal tirade, like, ah, you, I thought you were the Messiah, what's going on here? If you're the Messiah, then, then why don't you save us? And save yourself. Like, it's, it's just going off in this thing. The criminal on the other side of him realizes what's going on. He knows what's happening. He realizes that very soon he is about to face eternity. And in that moment, he literally tells the other criminal to shut up. He's like, stop! Do you not realize what's happening? You and I, we deserve to die. This man is innocent. He does not. And he looks at Jesus as best he can. I don't even know how that would work. But he looks to Jesus and he says, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And I want you to picture this. Because in other words, basically what he was saying is, hey, I know this is a silly question, but could somebody like me still matter to anybody? 
Because somebody like me, I've done a lot of bad things. I've treated people like garbage sometimes. Could somebody like me still matter to anybody? And immediately, Jesus said what? Today. Today. You and I will be together in paradise. You matter. Come on. You matter. You matter. And sometimes it's so tough to comprehend that kind of compassion and that kind of love. But that's exactly what God is calling you and I to be like. That's what he's calling us to be like. He said, it's that kind of love that will show other people you're my disciple when you love like that. It's the kind of love that marks you as a follower of Christ. It shows that Christianity is legit, that you're not just like everybody else. I was about to say like every other Joe, but <laughs> we've already established there's not every other Joe's. Oh my <laughs> Here's the third one. Write this down to be a voice of hope. Every believer knows the meaning of hope. Every Christ follower knows what life was like before their encounter with Christ. They know what life is like with him. They know what hope is. Can I just tell you guys right now, I am, Kathleen and I are so passionate about kids. We're so passionate about kids. We're so passionate about uh, our elementary, our junior high, our high school, uh, young adults even. Listen, we are so passionate about that in these ministries because what we know is that the world that these children are growing up in looks very different than the world that Kathleen and I grew up in. And they're battling with things at the age of five that I dealt with like last week. <laughs> I'm not that mature. <laughs> Enough from the peanut gallery. I have friends, by the way, over here that came from Bakersfield to be a part of this weekend. <laughs> be quiet. So, so, I want to pour life into our children. I want to pour hope into our kids. I know the, what they're dealing with. I know what they're facing every day. They're battling identity crisis every single day, and I want to show them what the Word of God says about who they are. And I want to do that. And so here's the deal. I love our kids' zone. I love what's going on in youth with the bridge and all the things that are happening. And here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you to be a part of it. Will you be a part of it with us? Will you do that? Can we become this place that just pours ourselves into our children so that they feel the hope of God and they then in turn take that around to their people as well, their kids and their recesses and their classrooms? If somebody starts clapping, that's going to be totally cool. So I want you to do it with me. I want you to do it with me. And so we put up a QR code for you to just scan that and say, I'm going to be a part of the Kids Zone team or I'm going to be a part of uh, the youth team or whatever that looks like. And you just scan that thing or you use a communication card and you fill that thing out and you say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of this thing. I'm going to, you say, Joe, I, I can't teach. That's okay, you don't have to teach. But you can be a part of it where you're just pouring hope. You become a mentor into a child's life and you're just there as an aid and you're helping and you're pouring into these kids. Our kids need us. They need us. And so I want to grow our teams and pour life into those kids to be a voice of hope. So do it with me. Uh, Joe, I don't like kids. I don't either. 
But we're going to, we have to love. We have to be people who are known by love. We have to. And so we're going to find out every single angle that we can do to be able to do that. We understand that a Christless world is a hopeless world, but a Christ-filled world is a hopeful world. And that's what we're longing for. So sometimes we've lost our mandate to stand in the gap and be an offer of hope and to share the gospel. By the way, do you know what the gospel is? I put this in your notes. You know what the gospel is? It's good news. It's literally good news. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds? I bring you what? Good news. That's the gospel. I bring you good news. See, we know that and we teach it, but we don't always communicate it as good news. We often communicate it as harsh judgment. And it breaks my heart because that is not at all what God wants you and I to do. Jesus said, I have not come in to condemn the world, but to give the world life, to give them life. What would happen if people heard the message of Jesus Christ as a message of hope and not a message of judgment? What would happen? The message of Christ, of course, comes with the need of repentance. It is uh, inseparable. That is a case. But even in that, the Bible is clear how you and I are to relate to people. The Apostle Paul reminds us that it is the loving kindness, the loving kindness that brings people to repentance. That's what it is. We speak the truth in love. It is a message of hope. And the best indication that you and I are are communicating it effectively is that a broken, hurting, sinful world receives it as a message of good news. We are a voice of hope. I think of the adulterous woman that's thrown down before Jesus in John chapter 8. And she's thrown down. And you would think that if there's ever been a moment where God could just like pour down the wrath onto a sinful person, she's been caught in sin. She's been caught in sin. If there was ever a moment that he could just pour it down, you would think like this is one of those moments. He could do it right here. But he doesn't do it. That incredible love and that compassion begins to shine through. And he is down and he's writing in the sand. And we don't know what he's writing. He's writing in the sand and he gets up. He's like, if any of you, any of you without sin? Any of you without sin? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Like, what, what am I being so judgy for? My life is full of sin. But I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I call on that. And I am so grateful. Because it's, it's all this grace and mercy. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But he pours it out constantly. And this woman is thrown down before him. And he's just pouring out this grace and mercy. Because he's a hope. There's hope in Christ. There's hope in Christ. And that's what you and I are to do. And everybody walks away. They drop their stones. The older first and then the younger later. And they drop their stones and they all walk away. And she stands there just, she, he helps her up. He stands there and she's just like, like dumbfounded of what just happened. Because literally, could you imagine if she's stoned to the ground? She thinks, this is it. I'm dead. They're going to kill me right here. It didn't happen. And he helps her up. And she's got to be just standing there like, 
almost paralyzed. Like, and he goes, who's here to condemn you? No one. What did he say? I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And he just poured hope into her. He filled her with hope. There is hope. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, I put this up on the screen. I want us to read this one together. Will you read this one with me? If I can find it in my notes. You ready? Go. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The natural outcome of being connected to God is being optimistic about the future. Do I need to say that again? The natural outcome of being connected to God is being optimistic about the future. We have to be a voice of hope. A voice of hope. You and I. Oh, Joe, you don't understand. The world's terrible today. Man, it's so bad out here today. We're, we're going to hell in a handbasket. It's so bad. Have you read the Bible? Have you read this stuff? Do you know about Sodom and Gomorrah? It's not that bad. You're like, oh, it's not like when I was... It's not that bad. It's, it's Noah, thank you. Sodom and Gomorrah, do you know what they couldn't find? Ten. <laughs> well, I don't know what we have in here. A couple of hundred? Like, oh, listen... It's not that bad. And what you and I are to be is a voice of hope. Yes. And what you and I are to be are people who live by faith, who are known by love, and become a voice of hope to a lost and hurting and broken world. Amen. And bring Christ to them. And we will become, Faith Center, we will become a model church for the entire region. That's what's going to happen. I believe it in faith. Will you believe it with me? Yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to give us life, to give us hope and a future. Lord, may each of us hear your words today. Let them soak in. Let them sink in. May your truth resonate within our lives. Teach us, Lord, to walk in obedience to your word. Help us, to, Lord, to live a life of sacrifice and servanthood, to be people who are known by love. And may we have a heart after you, O oh God, a heart of compassion for those that do not know you. I thank you, Father. As I'm continuing to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed, even those of you that are watching us online today, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to speak to you. Everybody focused in on God. Nobody's looking around. We're just honed in on Father. Because I believe that there are those of you here and maybe those of you that are watching online that God began to speak to you personally by his spirit today. He began, he began speaking to you and he began speaking to you about how much he loves you. And he loves you so much. And he's speaking that in there. And as you listen to that story of the criminal on the cross, it began to resonate with you. And you are sitting here or you're watching online and you were watching, and you're sitting, and you're sitting here thinking, I don't know if I still matter. But what I'm here to tell you is, you absolutely matter. You absolutely matter. You matter so much. We cannot comprehend God's love. His love is big. His love is huge. 
Our, our, our comprehension of God is like a teaspoon out of the ocean. We can't. It's so big. And he loves you. And you matter so much. And so right here today, he's calling you to him. He's calling you to him. And he's telling you how much he matters. And he wants to be with you. He wants to be a part of your life. And so I want to invite you to do that. And I want to pray with you to invite him into your life, to become a part of your life today. And if you're online, you can just mark it in the comments. Say, that's me. That's me, Pastor Joe. And you can mark it. But for the rest of you, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. You say, that's me, Pastor Joe. I'm not going to ask you to come down here, but we're going to pray together right there where you are. Right there where you are. But I just want to know who I'm praying with today. And here's, and here's the deal. It could be that at some point in your life, you were chasing after God, but for some reason you veered off. And who knows, maybe it's the pandemic. Something just kind of kicked you off the path, and he is calling you back into it right now. And you say, that's me. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hands. That's me, Pastor Joe. You're talking to me. You're talking to me, Pastor Joe. You're talking to me. I'm ready. I'm ready to follow him again. I'm ready to allow him into my life. That's me. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. Now, for those of you that are there, I'm not going to ask you to do anything out loud or anything like that. Just right there where you are. Just right there, quietly. If you raise your hand, listen, there's no magic formula. It's just your heart to his. Just say, Father, thank you so much. Just tell him. Say, thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your son. Just tell him that. And then just say, I want you to be in my life. Just tell him that. Say, I want you to be in my life. Tell him, please forgive me. Forgive me for the things that I've done wrong, the mistakes that I've made. Will you please forgive me, Lord? And then just tell him, say, Father, I know that I can have my past forgiven. Tell him, I know that I can have purpose right now in the present, and I know that I can have a hope for a future to be with you for eternity. And then just ask him, say, I want you to lead my life from this day forward in Jesus' name. And together, church, we say, amen, amen. amen.